to the Futures podcast from the Futures team here at Birkbeck, University of London. In this podcast, we'll be chatting with industry leaders and top UK employers to hear their advice, uncover what they look for when hiring and share their experiences of their own personal career journeys. We hope you enjoy the show. On this episode of the Futures Podcast, we're joined by Edwina Lawson, who works in digital at EE. And so a big thank you and welcome to Edwina. Hello, thank you for having me. Should we start off by just finding out a little bit more about you? Do you want to give us a brief intro? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I am Edwina Lawson. <laughs> and also currently I'm working at EE, which is also now BT, on a, as a digital um, employee which essentially means I'm on digital graduate schemes. So I've spent a lot of my time moving around the digital department, learning new skills, seeing how I can add value in those departments. And that's pretty much been my life for the last <laughs> year and a half. And what were you doing before then? Before then I was working at the SGP under the NHS okay. um, for about nine months. So that was a very interesting um, time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> what was your role? I was a patient services officer. Okay. So it's a fancy way for saying I used to just help patients on the admin side, but okay. also I used to help a lot of the doctors get a lot of their um, admin work done as well. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, very interesting. Took a lot of patience, <laughs> a lot of communication skills, yeah. and a lot of tolerance. I bet, I bet in the NHS. Um, so obviously that's quite a big change to working in digital. Tell yeah. us about that journey. Okay, so that journey, okay, so whilst I was, when I finished university, Mm -hmm. I studied international marketing, by the way, at University of Westminster, and I also studied German, but let's not even, (laughs) let's not even address that. Um, Yeah, so I started working at my local GP, because I really needed something after university, Mm -hmm. and, you know, during the course of that, I obviously knew that's not what I studied for, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. So I thought, okay, what is it that I could actually do? I was in the midst of like applying for different graduate jobs and I was getting loads of rejections around that time. And I think that's when it does hit you that, okay, university is more than just, you know, the grades that you get and it's more, yeah. you know, yourself as an individual and how you can really just, you know, show companies how you can add value. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time getting to know myself, understanding my skills and then seeing what job opportunities are out there. Mm-hmm. So EE came about and I realised that they had a grad scheme that was op- op- opening um, for digital graduates, mm-hmm. so I decided to take a chance and actually apply. Now I didn't know before uni what digital was yeah, completely. Was <laughs> didn't know what that was going to completely entail. Uh-huh. But what I did love about the company is that they just wanted you to come as you are. Mm-hmm. They didn't need you to have it all nipped in a bun. They didn't need you to know everything. Yeah, just come, understand how you can, what you can bring to the company, and let's all come together, work together mm-hmm. for a great purpose. What was, um, it probably seems like a while ago now, but what was like the process like? For, oof, the graphic. <laughs> okay, so it was, okay, so the typical process was application, for, uh-huh. apply, and then the second one we had to do a online test, mm-hmm. I believe. Goodness, that was so long ago. Yeah, we had to do an online test, and then after the online test, we were then invited to an assessment centre. Mm-hmm. And then after the assessment centre, well, during the assessment centre, you're asked to do a group um, activity then you have to have a one-to-one interview. Yeah. And then we also had to do a presentation based on a topic that they had given you as okay. well. Which is quite, quite interesting. I actually quite loved it. I think that's actually what... Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting way to describe an interview yeah. process. <laughs> <laughs> um, really good. And obviously now you're in digital. I'm assuming obviously now you've got a better idea of what digital means. Yeah, digital is everything digital. Literally just... 
I like to see it as everything I do on my phone or anything I do on the computer is what digital is all about. Mm-hmm. Constantly thinking about how we can use technology to help our day-to-day lives and improve our day-to-day lives. So on my graduate scheme, I started off as a product owner. Mm-hmm. Now, a product owner is essentially someone who owns a digital product and we are constantly finding ways to improve um, that section of the website. Okay. So, for instance, um, I'd use a the login journey as an inference, mm-hmm. because I'm sure we all have online login details, etc. So there's someone behind the scenes that will own that product. So someone's constantly looking at data, applying data, and seeing what, how is the journey like for my customers? Mm-hmm. Are they struggling to log in? Are we constantly giving them error messages, etc.? Someone, a product owner, will look at those things and think, how can I constantly improve this login journey, make it simple, make it easier for customers? So you're constantly just 90% thinking about the customer all the time, mm-hmm. constantly trying to improve your product. Then from then on, I ended up doing data analysis. Okay. So that was a stretch. That's completely not me. Definitely not something I'm going to do long term. But I learned a whole lot. I learned how we can use um, data to really understand customers more, and mm-hmm. of course, use that to improve our products and improve our services for customers. And then at the moment now, I'm a UX designer. That's a mm-hmm. user experience. Very different. <laughs> yeah, very, a very user experience roles. designer. Very different roles. I think. The main thing for me has been to make myself uncomfortable, like get comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. that's when you definitely learn a lot. It's better to not go inside a role thinking you know it all because then what value can you add? You know? yeah. It's best to always put yourself in a position where you can learn, mm-hmm. where you can evolve and then when you head off to wherever it is that you're going in the world, you can always apply that knowledge and constantly be in a state of evolving. Yeah. Really. So had you had any um, UX experience before? Any no. <laughs> so they've taught you everything? No, they've taught me everything from scratch. Wow. Everything. From, I'm actually quite impressed because I could barely draw stickmen before, but now <laughs> I can fully, you know, just redesign a whole homepage. So wow. I really, yeah, they do, that's what I love about the company. They really do take their time to really just understand that you don't know it all, but mm. they provide the tools and the support to actually help you to achieve the very best. And have so, you been on training for that? Has that all been quite kind of learning on the job? Learning on the job. Yeah, as you see, yeah, that's another thing. You kind of have to be a quick learner. Yeah. 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 Which is how which is why I said earlier is get you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You can go two ways sometimes. You either run away from that challenge or you embrace the challenge and see how, you know, it could work for you. Yeah. So do you find each time you switch a rotation do you find kind of you feel like you you're starting from scratch yeah. and it's a whole new learning? Yeah, it's absolutely. It can be so overwhelming. It can be so overwhelming, but um, you actually learn how to actually become, you know, the person that embraces change. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and how you know sometimes meeting new people as well can be the most difficult part of changing every six months. Meeting new people is a whole new role, etc. But then you realise, actually, well, I've done this before. Yeah. I've constantly been in a state of changing my environment, constantly from, from an educational standpoint, from a work standpoint. We're constantly in a state of, of you know, we learn one aspect. We're in one stage of our mm-hmm. lives and then we have to change to another stage of our lives. So yeah. it's just about, you know, taking some time out and think, okay, how can I embrace this new challenge and how can I make it work for me again, really? Yeah, and I guess once you've done it, once you're kind of on your second or third rotation, you've got used to... You've got used to it. You definitely get used to meeting people as well, (laughs) learning how to socialise, network, etc. And do you find, obviously working um, in your role at the NHS and I guess in your rotations, do you find that you've had transferable skills between each role? Yes. 
listening listening mm-hmm. listening listening because of working in the nhs i had to learn how to really listen to the patient's needs yeah. and of course working at ee it's heavily based on our customers needs but of course i don't speak directly to the customer mm-hmm. and it goes two ways those skills actually because a i'm listening to my my own uh, mentors mm-hmm. them teaching me me listening to what it is that they're saying me listening to understand what the whole point is of the project and then having to apply all of that I've been taught to actually my actual role mm-hmm. and I feel those that skill definitely did help me a lot because before I wasn't that much of a great listener <laughs> I just used to be like okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah whatever <laughs> but working in the NHS you have to learn how to yeah. listen you can't for example you know someone's coming for an issue with their finger and I report that as being them having a problem with their heart so <laughs> you don't listen yeah, pretty listen. serious exactly so that definitely helped me a lot and when you were applying for roles um, in digital, did you appreciate then the transferable skills that you already had from your year working elsewhere? Yes, I definitely did appreciate it, um, actually. I really did, because um, as I noticed how much that helped contribute to me working in the digital mm-hmm. sector, because I had to meet so many different people. And again, everything we do is customer-focused. So yeah. if I do not listen to the problem, if I do not listen to the objectives that, is that they're trying to tackle, then what I produce, the output of what I produce, ends up being a lost cause, basically. Yeah. So I did really appreciate it a lot. Even the application, the interview process as well, listening to how my, um, especially for group work, listening mm-hmm. to some of the things that the other players in the room were saying and seeing how I can either contribute to that or how I could yeah. come up with a, a good response that, you know, that helps the group talks we were good and et cetera. So I realised quickly that actually listening is a skill. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I think, like you say, it's one of those things that you would probably use in every role. It's important. Absolutely. And not just in work either, but just in Life. general. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very important skill to have. Um, when you were applying for roles and um, writing your CV, if you can remember doing your CV. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, but how did you kind of, obviously your experience wasn't, in digital Hmm. but how did you pitch it on your cv to make it applicable to what you're applying for i think again the most important thing is understanding what the mission or the vision is of a company Mm -hmm. and then understanding yourself to understand how you can actually contribute to that vision and that mission to the company because you're not always going to have the right experience all the time you won't however you are your selling point is one thing i like to say Um, you are your unique selling point. Yeah. So what you do well is, first of all, what you should think about. What is it that I do well? And then think about how what you do well can contribute to um, meeting the, the, contribute to the vision of the company, should I say. That's how you then sell yourself. Even yeah. from a CV standpoint, I had to shape my um, CV to, you know, really scream about the things that I really do well. Mm-hmm. And also incorporate when it comes to things like my cover letter I would always advise a cover letter especially if you don't have um, an experience in a specific yeah, field definitely. cover letter is a way for you to say you know these are the skills that I have these are the skills that are transferable this is what I've done and this is how it can you know help make a contrib- yeah. contribute contributing it can contribute effectively to <laughs> to the role in which you're the vision that the yeah. company has yeah. and I think you made a good point that it's about what you've achieved and what you've done Absolutely. as opposed to just what you've had to do exactly. as your as your job spec I guess says that you have to do this you have to do this it's your responsibility but it's about what you actually contribute I think what I would also say is that when it comes to your CV and jobs in general there are a lot of 
on paper, everyone's going to look the same. Everyone looks the same on paper, yeah. whether it's from an education or a skills standpoint. Everyone looks the same. But the reality is, you're not the same. Mm-hmm. You're you. I'm Eddie, you're Katie. So it's about understanding it on that level. So that's your opportunity to really say, okay, everyone's probably coming into this role, applying for this role, and we all look the same on paper, but how can I actually stand out? Yeah. And the only way you're really ever going to get there is if you understand you, understand the value you bring to the table. So that's yeah. the mindset I've tried to keep along the way. And I guess aligning those values with the company that Absolutely. you're applying for. Absolutely. Um, which leads on to my next question. Um, because I'm pretty sure that EE and BT have pretty big values. Um, but what's it like to work for a big corporate? Obviously a corporate BT is very much in the public eye. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, what's it like to work for a company of that size? Um, I think for me it's... Size alone, yes. Of course it impacts the amount of people that you see on the mm-hmm. basis even in your jobs. I, there's never been a day where I can come to work and I don't see a face I haven't ever seen before. So that can be overwhelming at times because mm-hmm. it also reminds you how much you do have to put yourself out there and always try and find a way that you can actually make a positive impact so people will remember you for you, especially yeah. in such a big pool. Um, and then also, I would say it does have its benefits. Um, it's nice to work for a company that you know, has a huge effect on people's lives, so many people's lives. And it's also nice to be a part of something that's more than just yourself. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the time, what you know, Anytime there's a task that I have to do, I think about how can I, if I improve, mm-hmm. if I constantly try and make this product better, for instance, then my, then the customer gets better. Yeah. So it, it's good to just it keep it has good motivation, should I say? Mm-hmm. Just working with something that's bigger than you, but yes, it can be overwhelming at times because if anything does go wrong and you are the person that owns that um, specific product or mm-hmm. um, you owns that project it does come back in you because it impacts so many people's lives. Yeah. So it does have its pros, it has its cons, but it is nice, I yeah. would say. I guess there's a lot of opportunity in a company Absolutely. Like it's a lot of opportunity. Opportunities for learning and also opportunities in terms of roles and mm-hmm. jobs. There's constantly space for someone. There's constantly, a, you know, we're constantly recruiting, yeah. etc. And looking for new talent. They embrace new talent because if a company of a lot of people, we're trying to find a way where we're not constantly employing people that are too similar because you always want a fresh yeah. perspective yeah definitely yeah. yeah and how did you find from applying to from um to different roles in different size companies how did you find it breaking into a big corporate with the application process it was very intense mm-hmm. more intense than a small company small company you know sending your application your cv they call you up for a telephone interview call you in for an interview and then that's about it yeah. But with a big company, there's a process and there's much more competition because there's a lot of people that are applying for that same yeah. role that you're after. So I would say applying for a big company, you've got to pull your stats up. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say to somebody that wanted to work for a big corporation? I would say the most important thing for me that I will say to anybody is, again, know, know yourself. Mm-hmm. Start with yourself first because... If you don't know who you are, then it becomes very difficult for you to sell yourself. You then end up sounding like a broken record for the person that's even interviewing you. Mm-hmm. So I would say, know yourself, know who you are. Like I said, you are your own unique selling point. Whatever you do well is what you start with first. And then you also remind yourself, okay, how can what I, how does what I do well contribute to the mission or the vision of this company? Mm-hmm. 
And that's for you, that's literally what you would do for any company, whether it's big or small. And for any role, think about how do you make a contribution? So you don't end up being, you know, trying to fit into a box that you just don't fit into. Yeah. Or you don't end up mimicking someone else or trying to play the copycat game. It yeah. never goes very far. So start with you. There, everyone has a special something about them mm-hmm. that every company would use, would need, and you're the best thing that you can offer to any company. So yeah. I think a lot of people, when they apply for jobs, they read a job spec and they mould themselves to the job spec and make sure that they're ticking every. It happens a whole lot, a whole lot, and then what ends up being the case is that they're unhappy. Yeah, and that tends to be because you are doing something that. It doesn't really resonate with the person you are, mm-hmm. but you find yourself just doing that role because it was a tick box thing situation again. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. the easiest thing for you to do. We don't spend enough time with ourselves. I feel. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Um, and what would you say um, advice for somebody who wants to break into into digital into the digital industry? Okay, so anyone who wants to break into the digital industry, I would say first things first. It's good to know the kind of role you want to do in digital. Mm-hmm. What impact do you want to make, or what role is it that you know tends to um, that excites you or interests you in digital? And then after you've actually identified that, go do a bit of research. Go look yeah. into the different types of roles that that could be. And then LinkedIn is honestly your best friend. <laughs> um, get connected with people who happen to be carrying out the role that you want to do. That's within digital. Catch up with them for coffee or a phone call to find out if they can give you any advice as to maybe more into that role, and then that will help you with the application process. Mm-hmm. And of course, check out the website. If you have a company that does appeal to you, check out the site, see what they're about, make sure their mission or their values resonates with yours, Yeah. and then just go for it. Honestly, just go for it. Is reaching out to people on LinkedIn something that you did, or have you yeah. had people? And how did you actually go about doing that? Because I know this is something I say to students all the time, yeah. but it's, okay, what do I actually say? What do I write in that LinkedIn message? To be honest with you, I'll cut out all the professional kind of talk. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel they are human beings behind yeah. this. They're human beings. And I'll just be very honest. When I reached out to the first person on LinkedIn, I was very honest. I said to her, hey, I've checked out your profile and everything that is that you've done is something that I'd like to do. It's quite, you know, encouraging and, you know, I'd, want to, I'd like to know more because mm-hmm. I'd like to make the same sort of career change or career move. And to my surprise, she was really taken back by it. She was really excited that no one had ever approached her on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. apparently. And we met up for coffee and ever since then, for the last three, for the last three and a half years, she's been mentoring me. Oh wow. Yeah, so she's always there, one call away or one email away, she's always ready and happy to help. Mm-hmm. And she so works in digital? She works in digital, she okay. started off in the digital field, yeah. Okay. She's now a marketing director at so and so company. Okay. I would expose her stuff. But um, yeah, so just go out there and just try, you know, just try it out. What's the worst that can happen? Is yeah, that, that's the thing. The worst that's going to happen, right, is somebody doesn't reply or somebody says no. Exactly. But And then there'll always be someone else. There's so many people out there. If one person says no, it doesn't mean every single person mm. is going to say no. And I think that's one of the good things about LinkedIn is that you don't have to be super formal and super professional. Yeah, it's exactly. like a professional networking <laughs> site with a lot of that jargon. Yeah, taken yeah, out. And like exactly. you say, people on LinkedIn are human. Exactly, exactly, exactly that. So you can be a lot more relaxed. Um, looking back, what challenges would you say that you faced? Um, the main challenges I faced is definitely me trying to be something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that was the main challenge I faced because I found it very difficult to do my CV. I found it very difficult to do a cover letter. And I found it very difficult to apply for roles, especially when they were asked you what your um, what what makes you what excites you about this company, what makes you want to work for this company. And I always thought I had to be something that I'm not, mm-hmm. um, because before EE, I, I actually um, applied for some other graduate schemes and other graduate roles in other companies, and I'd get the full on rejection because maybe it was obvious that I was just trying to be something that I wasn't, and it just sounded like a script. Yeah, you're trying to sell what they want, yeah, what, what you they think want. they you, they want to read. Yeah, and the truth is, they want something new. Yeah. So I think that's the most difficult part, and also keeping up the motivation after being rejected about a hundred times because mm-hmm. that's truth. I got a lot of rejections, and I'm just yeah. saying, right, I need to do something different. And how do I keep up the momentum? If I had given up, I wouldn't be here mm-hmm. where I am now. So. I think that would be one of my main difficult. It just things. takes one to turn into to turn into the right role. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's true that you need to be true to yourself when you're writing applications and not just writing what you think they want exactly. to hear. It's like when you're writing a CV and you're not sure what to write. If you Google it, you're going to get what everybody. Everyone, yeah. So if Absolutely. I always read, I'm really hardworking. Um, really determined, ambitious individual, and exactly. they're just some of the most generic openers for a CV mm, profile. Generic. And it needs to be about you and reflect you, um, and it reflects a bit of your personality as it well. Does, I think that's yeah. so much more important than, than people realise these days. Yeah, it does. People like to hire people that they like <laughs> and they get on with and they're similar to, so they need to see some personality come Absolutely. through. Um, so switching over and putting your coaching hat on, yeah. like I said at the beginning, um, you're yeah. a life coach as well, and using some of your own experience. Um, what advice would you give to a student who's currently studying and looking for a career change but feels a bit lost where to start? Lost, lost, lost. <laughs> um, a bit of background before I get into that topic, before I answer that question, sorry. Before, you know, when I was at um, college... I always thought I was going to be a lawyer mm-hmm. and very quickly when I started college I mean everything was my whole life was mapped out towards the law the law route and when I started college I crashed I really hated it mm-hmm. absolutely hated it unfortunately for my dad I decided I was going to drop out and not go for the law route so I could, I, I knew that I wasn't happy doing mm-hmm. that but I didn't know what I wanted next yeah so I spent I started spending a lot of time with myself um, I started working backwards. I started asking myself, what is it that I like? So what do you like? What do you do well? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, why do I want that career change? So just coming back to your mm-hmm. point as well, those are the first steps I'll ask anyone to do who feels a bit lost and they know they want a career change. Yeah. Ask yourself, what are the things that I like? What can I do easily? And obviously, um, also, it also helps asking three people that know you well, personally, okay. and also three people that work with you. Mm-hmm. You tend to find that there are similarities in the responses that they get, especially when it comes to questions about, okay, like, Katie, what do you think I do well? Or what comes to me naturally? Or what would you say my strengths and mm-hmm. weaknesses are? It's actually quite interesting, all the responses you'd get back. And um, also, also, asking yourself those questions for those who might just be in a career at the moment now, you might tend to, you might find that actually is it that I actually completely need a career change or have I just become tired of where yeah. I'm actually carrying out my role? Sometimes you need a new environment or mm-hmm. sometimes you need a new job sector completely. But then if you find that you've asked yourself those questions and you're still like, No, 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 I want more, I need mm-hmm. a different career, 
then start asking yourself that questions. Go back to the drawing board and ask yourself yourself those questions. And don't rush it as well. Mm. And then once she feels like you've done that, you can see, okay, I understand myself a little bit now. Start looking into roles that actually resonates with who you are, the person that you are. You can start doing the whole matching, matching thing now. Um, and I would say list five top companies, I mean, roles that does actually resonate with the person that you are. List mm-hmm. it all and then rank it in order of pre- preference as well. It tends to help. And then when you feel like, okay, cool, I feel like I've nailed five careers that sounds like this could be something I could do, mm-hmm. go out there, research more into these roles. And of course, like you've mentioned, LinkedIn is your best <laughs> friend. Go out and ask someone more, tell them, listen, I want to actually change my career right now. I can see you have a career that, you, that you're in that really, really appeals to me. Is there any advice you can give me? Is there any um, sort of tips that you can offer me as well so it can help me with my interview process? Mm-hmm. You might be lucky. An opportunity might come out from it as mm-hmm. well. So those are the top things I would say you should do. A, get to know yourself a bit more. Yeah. Understand what it is you want. Understand why it is you need to change. B, highlight the top careers out there that you feel resonates with you, meets your needs as well. Research more into those roles. And then C, have I said B already? Maybe I have. And then C, start linking with, up with people that are already mm-hmm. in those fields because you are a product of your environment. So the yeah. more you start to hang around with people who are in those areas, the more you start to you know learn a bit more about what it is to be in that role, learn what it is to, you know, what skills you might need, mm-hmm. you know. So those are the, that's the main advice I'd give anyone who feels a bit lost. And you're not alone as well. Yeah. Make use of your career centres. Make use of the mentors you might have out there. Make use of family members. Anyone who you feel supports your mm-hmm. vision, supports that you know you do want to make a move. Start speaking to them. Let them guide yeah. you through the process. You do not have to stay lost. Nine times out of ten, you're not actually really lost. You're just a bit scared or unsure about how to make that move, mm. how to make that first step because might, maybe you might be comfortable. Yeah. But it's time to get uncomfortable. It's time to <laughs> get yourself out of your comfort zone. And I would say congrats in advance to anyone who is looking to transition in their careers because it's the best thing you can do when you start to know who you are and what you want and start stepping into your purpose. Mm-hmm. I think you just made a really good point as well about mentors. I think a lot of people have it in their mind that a mentor is someone that you have when you're super early on in your career or somebody that you buddy up with on day one of your job. But a mentor could be so much more than that. Absolutely. Any age, any stage. You just sometimes need that extra guidance and someone who just understands yeah. you to help you. And know. somebody that maybe has been through it and they know exactly. the hurdles and they yeah. face the same challenges. Absolutely. And just somebody that you can resonate with and have exactly. them there yeah. for support. For support, yeah. Um, and one other thing as well that you touched upon um, before we started recording um, about the job titles and job specs and kind of taking oh. it away from the the job title and just actually looking at the skills and what yeah. the role can be as well. I think that's a really interesting Definitely. point. Yeah, because you make a role, isn't yeah. it? I mean, you when you take the title away, it follows, okay, what are the skills that this job requires? It has entry requirements. It mm-hmm. has experience that might help you to carry out that role. You can go and apply. I can apply for a job to be a... Um, give me a role. I can be a oh, can't think of a job, but right <laughs> I can be applied to be a GP or a general practitioner or a doctor at a GP surgery, and I can fill out the application form and fill out everything that they say that I require, and then it could come to me actually now working in that role itself, mm-hmm. and then they realise that oh my gosh, Betty hasn't got any clue what she's doing because the skills don't follow, the experiences doesn't follow. 
who I am is how I contribute to, I make that role. Yeah. Take it away sometimes, guys. You realise you have transferable skills, your experiences all come together to help um, whatever role that you're trying to get mm-hmm. into as well. So don't get too caught up in titles. Yeah. Throw it away, throw it in. Yeah. And just realise that, actually, I could have the skills or, you know, I do have transferable you know, skills or experiences that can come together to actually, you know, get me this new role mm-hmm. that I need. Yeah, so many people, I think, so, I don't know, say business analysts, for example, they'll look at that on the job spec and go, oh, but I can't be a business analyst, I don't have enough experience. No. But if you read the requirements and it wants some understanding of data analysis and some experience in strategy exactly. and somebody with some initiative and you exactly. slowly realise that actually you do tick a lot of those a boxes. A lot of the boxes, a lot of the boxes. I've met some really poor business analysts. They, they <laughs> do, on paper they looked amazing, yeah. but when it came to actually doing the job itself, title, you know, they didn't know what to do. Yeah, and I also think when you look at skills, people quite often won't re- apply for a role if they don't think that they tick every box. Exactly. And you don't have to tick every box. No, we've hit the nail on the head. You don't <laughs> have to tick every every box. I came. I started with not not much. I come from the NHS, and now I'm in a digital the digital world. Yeah, doing UX design. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Having never done it before, but it's all about they see something in you. You have certain skills that are transferable then they can tra- use those skills to help train you up and everything comes together for your good. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you are doing UX design and you've transformed from drawing stickmen to home pages, <laughs> which is basically my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one other thing I wanted to touch upon, obviously you kind of have, you're on two very different career paths at the moment, yeah. in digital and um, obviously as a life coach. Um, and... We have um, a few courses that have either the main focus being coaching or modules within that. Mm. What would you say to somebody that was thinking about kind of following a career in that direction? In life coaching mm-hmm. specifically. I would say just start. Just start. Honestly, you're, you don't, well in this country anyway, you don't actually have to have a qualification mm-hmm. in coaching. Um, so don't wait to get qualified to actually start coaching because experience is the greatest teacher. Yeah. There's something, I always say, for you to say you want to do a life coaching or anything coaching related, there would be something in you that says, I really want to help people, I really want to help encourage and support people and mentor people. So start using that now. Start using your skills, offering that um, side of you to other people because there's lots of people around you as well that would really, really mm-hmm. need all that advice, all that support that you're, you're ready to give them. And then before you know it, you start seeing all of these things mm-hmm. coming together. So I would say, don't wait, start now. Because a lot of people, especially that do want um, life coaching, on a, from a professional standpoint, should I say, they'll probably look to see who have you coached before or what impact have you made in someone's mm-hmm. life? Where are your examples that say, actually, yeah, you are worth me putting my investing my time and money yeah. into to actually start coaching with them? So I'd say, start now. And enjoy the process as well. That would be another main thing. If you don't enjoy it, you're in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you haven't got anything else to add, I've just got one more question to ask. Um, So if you could go back in time and start your career again and speak to your (laughs) earlier self, what would be your your one bit of advice to yourself? To myself? Oh, wow. I would say relax, Eddie, relax. (laughs) And even if you don't know now, you'd know later by actually doing something mm-hmm. and trying things. 
and don't put any pressure on yourself and most importantly enjoy it enjoy the process and trust the process that you're going in because everything contributes for the mm-hmm. very thing you're supposed to be doing in life and we have to enjoy it i guess don't we we spend the majority of our life doing it so we do need to enjoy of course it. a lot of people i tend to find don't enjoy what they do mm-hmm. or they enjoy what they do but they've somehow made that a burden because day in day out they're working day in day out they're working and they don't give themselves a break there's some people that have not been on holiday for two years mm-hmm. and i'm just like okay so to what end <laughs> enjoy the process enjoy what it is you're doing and once you realize that actually i'm not happy mm-hmm. it's time to take a couple steps back and ask yourself actually what is it that i can do that i need to start doing more or yeah. what is it that i need to start doing a bit better and ask yourself that before it gets too deep yes and regularly as well. yeah ask yourself that's the thing i think so many people don't ask themselves those questions until it gets too late and then they're set on leaving but sometimes if you can have that conversation earlier on with your manager exactly and start the process earlier sometimes it might just be a slightly different role and exactly. it might work out who knows of course um, but big thank you for coming on the futures podcast of course, um, of if anybody listening wants to find out more about anything we've discussed then obviously you can drop us an email to talent at bbk.ac.uk um, and we hope you've enjoyed the show thank you very much thank you that's all from us today thanks for listening to the futures podcast we hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time